English It Out War podcast coming away, episode 470. Great to have you guys with us. Steve Schme here and the Ricky V Rockster in the house. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Good, good. So in this one, we're going to have a, basically, we're going to travel back in time. We're going to go back. We're up to 470, but there's so many episodes that we've done in the past. And I'm going to pick one. Rick's going to pick one. For me, the episode 280, the, the Nandrolone Decadurabone episode, very, very well-received episode, a lot of likes, a lot of views, a lot of comments were done on it. And the reason this is so important to me is because I'm a person who has a great deal of respect for, for, for Deca Durable and for Nandrolone. And a lot of people out there don't. And most of those people that don't, they've never even used the compound, you know, or they use it and they didn't use it correctly. So they have a lot of bad things to say about it. But if you ask anybody in your gym who's 55, 60 and over, they'll say, oh my God, this is my favorite steroid of all time. So it's very important to do episodes like that to separate the BS from the truth. And this is why I think that episode was so important. And it's a very important one for you guys and gals to go back and listen to, to learn a little bit about Nandrolone and see kind of kind of connect the dots on it and why it's considered the most popular, one of the most popular steroids amongst those who are 55, 60 and over that are hanging out at your gym. And those are the steroid, you know, that's a steroid that they use back when they were in their twenties and thirties. And now those of you who are in your twenties and thirties, you're scared to use it. Oh, I don't want to use it. It's going to make me fat. Oh, I don't want to use it. It's going to give me gyno. Oh, I don't want to use it. It's going to kill my dick. You have all these myths out there and how bad it is, but in reality, it's really a mild compound and there's so many good things that you can get off of a DECA cycle that people are missing out on just because they're listening to a lot of the BS out there. So 280 for me, Rick is, is to me, it's a very important episode. So we're going to, we're going to rehash it. How about you? 280 is a good, good, good episode all about Nandrolone. Since you're going kind of old school uh, steroid bread and butter kind of uh, compound, I'm going to see your DECA with the Diana Ball profile, which is episode 274. So that's Diana Ball, Debo exposed and explained. Right after this, you're going to hear Nandrolone episode 280, followed by uh, Diana Ball episode 274, starting right now. What's up, guys? Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. Another great episode. We're at 280. All our even number podcasts are going to be about chemicals, and all our odd number podcasts are going to be Q&As, questions that you guys have submitted. So today we're going to be talking about DECA. So let's talk about DECA a little bit. Rick and I have a lot of experience with DECA, so let us share. So first off, what is DECA Durabolin? So a lot of you probably heard the term DECA in the gym. That's the popular name of it. It's a NOR19 compound. And what this means is that it's a 19-NOR testosterone steroid family. 
it lacks the carbon atom at the 19th position. So the NOR19 name was given to all these class of steroids. So that includes NPP, that includes decadurabolin. NPP is a short acting version of nandrolone. Decadurabolin is the long acting nandrolone. And we'll get into the half-life and detection time later in this podcast. So the structural modification of decadurabolin means that on paper, it aromatizes at a quarter of the rate as testosterone. So you know, that's kind of interesting. And we'll get into that as well in this podcast. But first, I'm going to bring in Rick. Rick is the expert about the history of these steroids. And DECA, just like a lot of these steroids, has a very fascinating history. So Rick, take it away. Tell us about the history. Hey, what's up, guys? So uh, when it comes to nandrolone, this is one of those steroids that came around the golden era of steroid research that time in between the, the 1930s to 1950s in the early 1960s, it was first identified, nandrolone itself, in 1950. Now, 19-nortestosterone, nandrolone, is actually naturally occurring in the human body in very small trace amounts. It's mostly detectable in pregnant women, but in men, uh, there are very, very small trace amounts. So much so that if you are a tested athlete and you get tested, you're allowed to have a very tiny amount of uh, nandrolone in your system because it can occur naturally. Now, in 1950, it was first identified, and then it was first put on the market uh, for human use in 1959 as nandrolone phenylpropanate. So nandrolone phenylpropanate, the shorter-acting ester, was first developed and, and put out on the market. Then nandrolone decanoate, was actually released to the public in 1962. And many of us that use steroids in the 90s, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, we know that nandrolone decanoate was more readily available than nandrolone phenylpropanate. Uh, nandrolone phenylpropanate actually came around and became more popular as some of the underground labs started popping up after 2005, 2007 is when you really saw it available everywhere. And it seems from my research, the company that was mostly responsible for the development and bringing it to the market of a nandrolone, of sterified nandrolone products is Organon. And that's a company we're going to get into later on because they played a big part in the development of steroids throughout the late 50s, early uh, 60s. So uh, Organon, we're going to definitely talk about. That's pretty much the history of nandrolone. All right, guys. So let's talk about the decanoate ester that Rick mentioned. Decadurabolin, that's the ester that's attached to it. We're talking about the long ester here of nandrolone. And here's the thing. Uh, it's kind of frustrating because a lot of people just call decadurabolin deca, but they don't understand that deca refers to the ester attached. There is something called testosterone decanoate. I don't mean to confuse you guys, but that is just the ester attached, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're using, if someone says I'm using decanoate, they could be using testosterone decanate, for example. Doesn't necessarily mean decadurabolin that they're using. Yeah, Steve, you're absolutely right. Sometimes we mistake, uh, because the way these names have been adopted by, by bodybuilders and the underground, we mistake certain things. What you're saying is right. Deca describes nandrolone undecanoate. When you're talking about nandrolone phenylpropionate, it's just nandrolone phenylpropionate. It's not DECA anymore. But we just say DECA for short. But really, the base hormone is nandrolone. Just like we discussed in podcast 278, Equipoise. 
Now, boldenon is the base hormone. Equipoise is boldenon undercyclinate, right? If you had boldenon cypionate, which does exist, then it's just boldenon cypionate. It's not equipoise anymore. Equipoise is, is, is the name given to boldenon undercyclinate. And the base hormone is boldenon. In this case, nandrolone is the base hormone. All right, guys. So let's talk about how it works. Now, first off, decadurabolin, anyone who's used it, you know that it helps to boost your appetite. It helps to build muscle and strength by enhancing protein synthesis. Big shocker, you know, that's what most steroids uh, do. It helps promote IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor production, and it helps stop the rise in glucocorticoid hormones, which, which attack your muscle growth and prevent you from gaining. So that's why when you run DECA on cycle, just like most steroids, you can gain a lot more muscle and that you don't have to worry about it basically getting you know um, ripped away from you um, when you're on it. You can continue just to build and build and build. DECA is also excellent at increasing nitrogen retention in the muscles. And it's known on paper as being one of the better ones for that. So historically, you know, that's why guys, you know, a lot of people have used it in the past to help with, you know, muscle wasting. So it can definitely help you if you're a smaller guy and you're struggling to put on mass, it is a good one to use for those reasons. Rick, um, have you noticed that as well when you've used it, some of these benefits? Yeah, DECA is very anabolic and not very androgenic. So it lets you add more anabolic hormones to your cycle without necessarily having any additional side effects. That's a good thing about DECA. DECA's only real side effect that we all really are familiar with and know about is that it gives you that DECA dick where it's very tough to get an erection and things just don't work properly down there. Aside from that, if you're able to manage that, if you're not genetically prone to that side effect, or if you know how to work your chemistry right so that you don't get it, DECA is a very, very useful steroid, very useful hormone. It doesn't give you a lot of the other uh, side effects that most steroids do, including testosterone. It's not known to cause hair loss. It's not known to enlarge your prostate. It's not known to give you acne. It's not really known to, to shrink your balls. It's, it's not known to give you a lot of these side effects that you get from a lot of these other steroids. It's not very uh, toxic to the body. The only problem is if you don't match up your chemistry right with it, if you don't stack it right, your dick's not going anywhere. You know, it, it's, it's just gonna stay limp like a noodle. And some guys suffer through this for months even and have a really tough time bouncing back from it. So that's really the only real precaution and it's really the only thing that's earned DECA really bad rap is make DECA kind of infamous because of the issues with your erections and such. But when it comes to actual side effects, and it's pretty decent, man. It's, it, it's good. It's there. You just have to know how to stack it properly. Yeah, it's definitely a mild compound for sure. Um, and here's the thing with the DECA dick. You know, if you look up, really look up this information on DECA dick, where it really comes from, you're going to see a lot of conflicting information on forums. But the thing is, I've studied this quite a bit. And my educated guess based on the information that I've seen is that the decadic thing is simply the fact that it's metabolizing to dihydronandrolone, which is the DHN. So what happens is your dihydro 
testosterone, DHT, which is our sex hormone, gets swamped by that DHN. So the way you can mask that on cycle is by stacking a DHT derivative along with DECA. And that's why I strongly recommend something like Proviron. And the nice thing about Proviron, which we'll talk about in future episodes, we're gonna discuss that compound, is that it's not liver toxic. So you should be, be stacking Proviron with DECA and that will completely solve this issue um, in my experience. Now guys who run cycles, even with tests, okay? They don't, that doesn't save you. Testosterone will only convert to a very small amount to, to DHT. So that's not gonna save you. The Proviron is the secret ingredient you should be using with DECA. And if you go back to the 70s and 80s, you'll know, and I've interviewed these guys from that era who have trained some of these bodybuilders and coached them. And they've said that those guys would use DECA and Proviron always. They didn't understand why it worked, but they knew it worked. And that, that will definitely contribute to offsetting any types of decadent. Yeah, you need DHT. You need the hydrotestosterone in your body to keep your dick hard. And even as a teenager, it is the hydrotestosterone that contributes to the actual growth of the tissue down there. When, uh, when DECA comes into contact with uh, reductase enzymes that turn your testosterone into the hydrotestosterone, DECA becomes a weaker version of it, like Steve said. And that's where some of the problems come from. And that's also why DECA doesn't give you the hair loss and, and prostate enlargement side effects that other steroids do. It's because it, it is a weaker uh, DHT than you would normally get from, you know, from injecting high levels of testosterone. Yeah, it swamps your DHT. So really, you're not getting those DHT side effects when you use DECA. That's, that's kind of the point of using it, you know? So if you have a subject to hair loss, you've got prostate issues, et cetera, et cetera, it's a really good one for that. Um, yeah, so let's my, talk about, yeah, go ahead. My, my, personal, uh, my personal way of making sure that I don't get DECA dick is I always run the testosterone at twice the amount. And that way, uh, that reductase enzyme has more testosterone substrate to work with than DECA. That way I'm ensuring that my dehydrotestosterone levels stay higher than you know, the conversion off of nandrolone. And that way I, I avoid the, the DECA dick. And that's worked for me. But like you said, uh, using an oral a DHT derivative can also uh, help quite a bit. Yeah, Masterin too. If you want to do injectables, Masterin would be one you could also use along with it. So... Um, um, let's talk for, uh, first before we get into dosage, just talk about the, the joint issues. So Rick, um, I'm going to get you in on this one as well. Um, your history. I did notice when I ran that, when I run DECA, that my joints don't bother me as much as running, say, Winstrol or a drier compound. So there's some conflicting information, but what we do know is that there are some studies that have shown that it will, um, it will enhance bone mineral content. Um, collagen synthesis as well. And it also has a history medically for being used in osteoporosis for females. So there is some bone joint medical background to it. Having said that, the amount of DECA that bodybuilders are using, okay, and the other compounds that bodybuilders are using, and the amount of weights that people are throwing around on DECA, it really doesn't make sense to assume that you can just run DECA if your joints are bad and it's somehow going to cure your joint issues because in the end, it's going to make it worse. So I would not run DECA 
I would not run any steroid if you have a lot of joint problems, but I would not also expect DECA to cure your joint problems when you're using it because those medical dosages are way less than what bodybuilders use in the first place. So it's not exactly a therapeutic dose regardless. But Rick, I mean, have you used DECA and noticed joint health? You know, I guess I did, but I knew before I used it that that was kind of the folklore behind it, that it, it helped your joints out. Is it true? Could it be true? Well, it's naturally occurring in your body um, in higher concentrations in pregnant women. So it might have definitely, um, you know, some roles there. It, it could definitely help. Now, I personally have found that my joints feel a lot better when I'm taking glucosamine sulfate, chondroitin sulfate, MSN, scissors quadrilateris, those kind of over-the-counter ingredients have made my joints feel way better, way better than trying to go to black market uh, to get nandrolone. So does it help the joints? I guess it did mine. I, I, I can't say that they didn't feel good. I mean, they were fine, but I, I was already being told that before I ever used nandrolone. So maybe it was a little bit of placebo effect. But over the years, man, it, I, the biggest change I've found in my joints is just using you know, the ingredients I just mentioned and um, yeah, I guess that could can help, but I would probably say now, nowadays, if you wanted to go the SARMs route, maybe Osterin is probably better for your joints than, than DECA could ever have been. Now, DECA, it's been around since, like we just mentioned, 1950s, 1960s. We kind of know what to expect from it because so many guys have used it throughout the years. Osterin is very new, and we don't know what kind of long-term side effects can come from it. Just one thing to keep in mind with Osterin when we compare it to DECA. Osterin may be better at helping your joints than DECA is, but we don't know. Osterin has not been around as long as DECA has. There has not been that many guys using it yet. So we don't know what the long term is going to be from these SARMs yet. All right, guys. So let's talk about half-life and detection time. So this is this is uh, very interesting. It's a quite, it's a very long half-life. Uh, we know that. So it's got the DECA and A ester with the DECA durabolin. Two weeks, you're talking about two weeks in your system. So, you know, when you start injecting DECA, it's going to take a while, okay, to reach peak levels before leveling off. It's going to start working right away, but it's going to take five, six, seven weeks to really reach peak levels. And on the flip side, when you stop taking it, it's going to take a long time to be out of your system. So that's another reason guys fuck up when they take DECA is they run these long ass cycles with DECA and then they come off and it takes like six, seven, eight weeks for it to be out of your system. And then they overshoot their PCT. They'll run a four week PCT and then the PCT is over before the DECA is even out of their system. And then they crash after. So that's another reason DECA gets a bad rap. It's after cycle, people don't PCT correctly. So remember that. Remember what I'm saying, guys. You want to run a long PCT and long bridge after DECA because it's going to take a while to get out of your system. Even worse is the detectable time. We're talking eight, up to 18 months this stuff is detectable in your system. So if you're a tested athlete and you take DECA, you're pretty much fucked. And we saw that. Sean Merriman, he was an absolute beast. He was a defensive end linebacker, San Diego Chargers. The guy was like the second or third pick in the draft. Comes in the league. His first year as a rookie, 10 sacks. His second year, 17 sacks. His third year, 12, 13 sacks. 
He was tearing it up. And then they bust his ass for Decca, and he gets his ass suspended. And pretty much his, his career is downhill from there. So we've seen athletes get busted for it. And you really have to be a fucking idiot to take Decca if you're a tested athlete. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Rick? Yeah, it's definitely not the first choice. But you know what happens, Steve? Since there's so many underground black market stuff out there, and DECA is really one of the cheapest steroids out there, you're going to find a lot of unscrupulous sources are going to switch out DECA for more expensive items. And yeah, you'll get something from it, but not what you're looking for. And this is why guys get pop off of DECA, because I can't imagine any coach or anybody helping one of these athletes with everything we know about DECA still letting one of their athletes use DECA today. I just don't see it. It, it has to be that they got fake product that was swapped out uh, by one of these underground labs and they just didn't know it. There's just no way a professional athlete making, making any kind of money is paying someone to give them that bad of, of advice. Yeah, that's got to be what it is for sure. And he probably took other stuff too, which, which he didn't get flagged for. But the DECA, that little bit of DECA metabolite definitely showed up. So let's talk about dosaging and stacking. Um, I've, I've stacked DECA myself. I think uh, a, a dosage of 200 to 400 milligrams a week is perfectly fine um, on a cycle. Um, you could actually go higher with DECA. It is a mild compound. So you could go five, even 600 milligrams. I'd rather you do that than run a bunch of trend, for example, at that, those dosages. So DECA, you can be a little liberal with. I like to stack in the provirin, like I was telling you guys, 25 to 50 milligrams a day. If you're on 50 milligrams a day, it's going to get really expensive for the course of your cycle. So 25 milligrams a day is going to be perfectly fine. And then you can throw in an androgen, a little bit of an androgenic kick. You can throw in a little trend with it. You can throw in a little test with it, a little bit of an androgen in there. Some guys like to do that. And that gives the cycle a little bit of kick, but it just boils down to your goals. Do you want just a mild cycle or do you want something, you know, really, really hardcore? Um, trend and DECA together. Um, a lot of guys on forums say you shouldn't do that. But from my point of view, I mean, you're, you're stacking a mild compound, mild anabolic compound with a harsh androgenic compound. To me, it seems like the, the yin and yang is perfect on that. So, you know, but that, that's something you want to do if you're experienced. Do not do that your first three, four, five cycles. That's something to do when you're really advanced. Um, first, first time with DECA, like I said, a mild amount of DECA, two to 400 milligrams, throw in a little bit of test um, to give it a little androgenic kick and then definitely proviron. Um, Rick, you like to run the test higher. Um, tell us, tell us um, how you've liked to run it. What, what have you been successful with? Well, DECA stacks pretty well with almost anything. Um, I, I've heard about the Trembolone and DECA. I've never stacked the two of them together, but I can see, you know, how both Trembolone and DECA individually can fuck with your uh, sexual functions. Now, I can maybe see how the two of them could create a problem because uh, Trembolone will, you know, will, will mess with, with the way you have sex and so can DECA. One of the best and classic stacks out there is testosterone deca with a dianable start testosterone deca with a dianable start and i think that's a really good and classic cycle for anybody that wants to do that much that wants to do a couple of steroids like that testosterone deca all day long if you're taking let's say 500 megs of testosterone 200 megs of deca a week 
You don't need much more than that. You have to remember, though, on a cycle like that, you have to discontinue the DECA a full two, three weeks before you discontinue the testosterone because the DECA's got that long ester and it's still going to be in your system weeks and weeks later. So you don't want to be in a situation where you're running nandrolone decanoate and you're running testosterone and natate and then you're about to come off cycle and you stop them both at the same time. That testosterone is going to be out of your system pretty quickly compared to that DECA. You don't want to do that. You want to continue to shoot testosterone, I, I would say, for three to four weeks after you discontinue the DECA. And yeah, you know, DECA has a long ester, so it does take a while to build up. The real results from it, you're going to see after about the second, third, fourth week on it. And again, it, it's one of those steroids that it's very safe. It's really good to use, man. I mean, you're not going to get many other side effects from DECA except it messing with your dick a little bit. And that's if you don't mess with your chemistry properly. You know, you can also run DECA with, with Boldenon, but I probably, look, I probably wouldn't run DECA unless I'm running testosterone at, at this day and age. I wouldn't take DECA without testosterone. So it's something to consider. But DECA, Boldenon, and TEST, it's a great cycle. Three really good steroids that work well together. I mean, those are really the, the, the only stacks I would, I would kind of use it for. I wouldn't kind of use it with Winstrol. I, I guess if you, I guess using it with Winstrol or I guess if all you can get is Winstrol, it's all right. But I wouldn't kind of use those in the same stack. I don't, I don't kind of see why, unless that's all you have and you're just trying to run something. But it wouldn't, that, that, I wouldn't order Winstrol and that kind of take together, at least not at the same time. Maybe I'm in a long cycle and I'm taking them at different times, maybe, but not taking together. I don't know. I mean, look, DECA, I think, testosterone, um, Equipoise, uh, Masteron, Primobolin, Dianabol, all stack well with, uh, with DECA, in my opinion. All right, so should females be using it? I would not use DECA Durabolin if you're a female because the ester is so long. If you insist and you want to run a nandrolone, run the short-acting NPP, the phenylpropionate ester instead of the nandrolone. But I would not run it if you're a female um, because just the half-life is just too long. Now, how long should you run a cycle? This is also something I think a lot of guys make the mistake of. And we talked about it in EQ as well. They run DECA 16, 18, 20 weeks, 22 weeks. Guys, I mean, I understand. I understand it. It it's a slow builder. It's a mild compound. I, I get it. Okay. But Rome was not built overnight. It's not going to be one cycle and done. Okay. You're going to keep running cycles. So why fuck your HPTA up by running steroids for half the year? Okay. That's not a cycle. That's just running steroids half the year. Let's call it what it is. So stick, stick to even 12 weeks is plenty. 12 weeks is fine. I know a lot of guys will say, Steve, you're an idiot. You should run it 16, 18 weeks. It's a slow builder. Guys, it's okay to leave some gains on the table for the future. I, I don't want you fucking your, your HPTA. DECA, just like all the other steroids, okay, pretty much all the steroids, maybe not Proviron, but pretty much all the steroids, is going to shut you down. So your HPTA, your pituitary glands are going to stop functioning when you're on this stuff, Okay. So you have to keep it short. You have to run a proper PCT and you have to come off. 
Yeah, you know, would you agree, Steve, that running a DECA-only cycle is probably not the best idea or something you wouldn't recommend someone do? Maybe as opposed to running a Dianabol-only cycle or Anabol-only cycle or Winstrol-only cycle or Testosterone-only cycle or Trambolone-only cycle. Would you agree with that or would you tell somebody, yeah, go ahead and do that? Um, I would run it with Proviron. I would not run it by itself because I want that DHT derivative in there. But I mean, if your goals are just mild, you just want something mild, you just want something anabolic, then run it like that. And then that should be, that should be fine. I mean, they ran it like that in the seventies and eighties. If you want something androgenic, you want to bulk, then yeah, run a bunch of testosterone with it, run a bunch of D-bowl with it. Then you get that nice bulking effect. You know, another one to run with it. That's actually surprising. Anadrol because Anadrol is a DHT derivative. How about that? You could run Anadrol with DECA and you get that, that DHT effect as well. So we've seen guys. Yeah. We've seen guys do that. Um, You know, like, yeah, I personally wouldn't advise anybody run Nandrol by itself just because I'm, I'm always so afraid of my junk not working. You know, we take steroids to feel better, to be stronger, to look better. Once, you know, once your soldier's not working anymore because of the steroids, it kind of defeats the whole purpose. So I personally wouldn't run DECA by itself. Matter of fact, when I run it, I try to keep it under 200. You just keep it real low. I don't think I've ever ran it above 300 because um, it is, I've just always been afraid of, of what it can do. Just saw too many reports from guys having issues with it. So uh, I've seen yeah, reports, but I've seen reports from plenty of guys who've run testosterone with it who still have dick issues because they didn't want the they didn't want a DHT derivative. So I can turn that around too. The the thing about it is if you react very well to androgens, and I personally do, by the way, I run I react very well. If I run primo, if I run EQ, my libido goes down. But if I run trend, testosterone, any of those androgens, my libido goes up. So if you react really well to androgens, then yeah and you're worried about your libido, then, then yeah, throw in some testosterone with it. Just depends. Some people don't react well to androgens though, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's always on the table. Genetics, always on the table for sure. Yeah, look, some people are gonna be more prone to side effects than others. That is just something that, that's gonna happen. You're gonna have guys that are gonna get gynecomastia from trembolone or from anadrol even. You know, some people are just more prone to side effects than others. And it all has a lot to do with, you know, how many receptors you were born with for certain compounds and how your body uh, eventually regulates up or down regulates these receptors as different receptors. So, yeah, some people are going to be more prone to certain side effects than others with certain compounds. And that's something, you know, part of knowing yourself and make sure you log your cycles and, and document everything that you go through, you're going to find that certain compounds just sit really well with you and others don't. While a buddy or, or maybe a big guy in a magazine or a dude giving advice on Facebook about steroids, he might run into a completely different situation with those compounds. So that's something I'll always remember is genetics plays a huge role always. The universal though, bottom line guys, Trust me on this. If you run DECA, whether you run it with Tess, whether you run it with Primo, whether you run it with Trend, run Proviron with it or another DHT derivative. It will make a world of difference. I promise you it will. So Rick, tell us about the cost and ease of access of it. It is available, actually, people don't know this, for prescription. Is that 
have you have experience with that trying to get it as a prescription actually having a doctor write you a script for it or is that not realistic for guys to even bother asking their doctors if you get out to some of these rejuvenation clinics they're going to be able they're going to give you whatever they can give you that's legal so if it's there they'll prescribe it to you you just have to find the right rejuvenation clinic to do it i don't mess with it so i don't seek it out as i've said on the podcast a bunch of times the only things i kind of use now are testosterone and eq don't really uh don't really have a place for for nandrolone and and what i do now in my routine so i haven't looked for it but yeah if it's if it's available for human use in the u.s you get the right uh, rejuvenation clinic in florida the east coast is where most of the good ones are they'll prescribe it for you you know you get a script for it if you work with your doctor you should be able to get it the price, guys, it's not expensive. Um, you can run a, if you run it at two or 400 milligrams a week, I mean, you can run a 10, 12 week cycle of this stuff. I mean, probably not even 200 bucks. I mean, so it's not expensive at all. And um, it's really easy to find every steroid source. They're going to sell DECA. And, um, you know, one, one thing to note, guys, if you go in your gym and you talk to the older guys, the guys who are in there now in the 50s and 60s, who are um, even older than Rick and I, who are, who are pretty old ourselves. But if you talk to those older guys and you ask them, what is your favorite steroid of all time? Don't ask them like without knowing them, but like, let's say you get to know them over close a few months, you spot each other, you become buddies and stuff. Just bring, bring up, what's your favorite steroid? All the time? They'll say DECA. They won't say these other steroids, they'll say DECA. But the younger generation, they're not as into DECA as everyone else. Do you think that's true, Rick? Well, DECA has some synergy. Like if you take DECA with testosterone, with Dianable, it just makes everything nicer. I mean, I think that's a reason why a lot of guys like DECA is because you notice when you just add some DECA to your cycle, it's, everything is just, you're just going to grow. You're going to grow quite a bit. Now, uh, one thing to mention about DECA is the two presentations that are out on the market now are nandrolone phenylpropanate and nandrolone decanoate. Phenylpropanate, you're going to get about 67 milligrams of nandrolone and about 43 milligrams of non-muscle building phenylpropanate ester. When it comes to nandrolone decanoate, you're going to get about 64 milligrams of nandrolone and about 46 milligrams of non-muscle building decanoate ester. Um, the esters need to come off the steroid before your body can utilize them. And the esters are there to make the steroid oil soluble and so that it takes it a little while longer to get out of the depot. So it's something to keep in mind, you know, when you're injecting 200 mg of nandrolone decanoate, you're getting around 120, 130 real uh, milligrams of, of nandrolone. Everything else is the ester. So, uh, so one of the reasons nandrolone just seems maybe a little bit weaker than some other steroids in a stack, it's because it's got that long ester, which means you have a little bit less active ingredient. And that long ester... And in the decanoate preparation spreads out the steroid over, over weeks. So it doesn't hit you all at once. It does take a while to build up. It's one of the reasons also it's, it's kind of known for being mild and, and for taking a little while to kick in. So let's finish off the show by talking a little bit about who should consider DECA um, as their next cycle. So I think that a couple different scenarios, if you're a lean, if you're like a skinnier guy, and you've put in a lot of you know, years in the weight room, you've got a, a decent base, and you want to really take things to the next level in terms of, of mass. 
then I think DECA really is going to be good for you because I, when I use DECA, I want to eat like twice as much as everything. I don't feel satiated when I eat on this stuff. The mood enhancing is tremendous on DECA. I mean, I feel fantastic on it. I also think guys who are into strength training, um, who are just the typical gym rat, likes to just live heavy ass weight. I think DECA is a really good option for them as well. It's one of the better ones. I think if you're a strength athlete at it well, as well, it's not going to, it's not going to boost your bench press 50 pounds overnight, but it is going to help push you to the next level. And it's going to, you know, add, add that mass and add that strength to you where safely add it. And it's going to be kind of like, you'll go in 12 weeks, you can, you can add some good weight to your lifts. Okay. It's not going to be something like Tran where in two weeks you add big weight to your lift. So I think it's a really good option if you want to take a nice slow and steady approach to your uh, training. Anything else to add Rick before we finish up? Yeah. Uh, I don't recommend women use DECA. I really don't. I've said it many times on the podcast. Anavar's about all you need to look good as a female. Maybe a little song here or there. If you're a competitor, Anavar Winstrel should be about all you need. Maybe a, a SOM or a peptide here or there to help you for contest prep. It's about all you need. Nandrolone, when you get into like Nandrolone the canoe, this these long esters, if you're a female, you begin to notice some side effects that you don't want on these steroids. You can't just get off of it the way you can with Anavar or Winstrel, some of the shorter acting stuff. You're in for the ride. You know, if you've been injecting just a tiny bit of, of nandrolone every week, and by about week three or four, you begin to notice some side effects, guess what? You still have about another three or four weeks of side effects to go before they begin to go away. So it's, it's just, not a good, just not a good option for women, in my opinion. Um, as far as who should use it, you know, if you're – I've said this in another podcast, too, for travel – Let's say you're traveling, if you can get some testosterone on the canoate, a little bit of DECA, maybe some EQ, you shoot those uh, and you can go away for about two, three, four weeks and they're still in you doing something. You don't have to travel with the sauce. Yes, your androgen levels would be at a decline after each of those esters peak. So you would be declining, but you still would be at higher than normal levels, three, four weeks after the shot. So that's, that's nice. Um, Guys who are looking to bulk and put on mass, not spending a lot of cash because Nandrolone is fairly inexpensive and it just makes that testosterone and makes that Diana will work better. If you're looking to gain mass and not spend a lot of money, testosterone, Diana will, and DECA, it's just a classic stack. It's real cheap. And those are probably the three of the cheapest steroids on the market. So there's less of a chance that sources would want to fake them because they're so cheap to get. If anything, they would use those three steroids to swap out for something more expensive that they're trying to give you. So you, you can be fairly confident that when you get those three, they're going to be cheap. And they're also going to be what you're looking for, not, not swapped out for anything else. All right, guys. Look, guys, we hit this topic hard. You guys learn a lot. If we miss anything, shoot me over a message, Steve SMI on the forums, and I'll answer any of your questions. We're revisiting another podcast. If, you know, this is only the first uh, podcast about Nandrolone we're going to do. We'll, we'll get around to all of the compounds and then we'll come back to Nandrolone, listen to this and add anything else that we missed out, add anything that people wanted to hear about that didn't. 
And uh, yeah, we'll hit this hard again. All right, guys. Appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, we're I'm I'm gonna, what what compound are we doing next, Rick? T bowl sounds like the one. What do you think? We're doing next for uh, two eighty two. Yeah, we've been getting a lot. I've been getting a lot of messages for uh, to do T bowl, and it has a really fascinating history as well. So we're gonna dig into that one on the next podcast. So guys, listen up for that next week. Appreciate you guys listening. Take care. Have a good night, guys. Have a good night, Steve. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program. What's up, guys? Evolution.org podcast coming your way. Steve Snee here with Rick. As, as always, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? Guys, we have a special show. Um, I have some news. This is episode 274. Um, we are going to be doing an even, the even number shows from here on out are going to be about compounds, individual compounds. This show, 274, is going to be about Dianabol. So we're going to get to that in a second. This is going to be your reference on using Dianabol. So keep in touch on this podcast and save it for information. Our, our odd number podcasts are going to be Q&As and call-in shows. So we're going to be doing podcasts twice a week from here on out. So that's great news. Uh, they must likely like me uh, to keep me around to do two shows a week from here on out. They must like Rick as well. So we've been hearing some great stuff from you guys out there on this stuff. And um, by the way, guys, uh, Monday is going to be the Q&A or call-in from any of you guys that want to call. And then Thursdays, we'll do just a big show on one compound. Now, these shows are pretty much evergreen. If you come and listen to it three years from the day it was made, it'll still be probably the most up-to-date information there is out there about these compounds. So we're going to really encapsulate over 40 years of uh, knowledge that we've gathered really about these compounds and what everybody out there about them knows. So uh, these are like little encyclopedia volumes of all the information that is out there that is pretty well documented and proven and you could just reference them. So in the future shows, Q and A's and call-ins, when we talk about some of these compounds, you'll be able to track back and go in and listen to this podcast all about it. So we're doing Dianabol today. It's pretty much everything that we, everybody knows about Dianabol out there today. Uh, we're going to discuss. So, Yeah, guys. So let's talk about what is Dianabol. First off, uh, that's the trade name is Dianabol. It's also called Mentandinone. It's also called Methandrostinone. And some of the other trade names you might have heard, Dianabol, Napazim, Metanabol, um, Averbol have been called. And in the bodybuilding community, in the meathead community, we, a lot of times we just straight up call it D-Bol or D-Ball. So, so those are the names that we kind of call it. If you go to your gym, you talk to anybody who's in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, they're going to know what it is. Um, they've used it a lot. And it's kind of, it's one of the more popular steroids from the 70s, 80s, and even 90s. And it's kind of fallen off though in recent years. So we're going to tell you a little bit about it um, and, you know, talk about the history and talk about everything. Um, before we do, let me just give you a little background, the ratio 
is about 150 to 50, the anabolic to the um, androgenic, androgenic ratio. So do those ratios translate to real life? No, of course not. But they do give you a little bit of an idea of the structure of the compound. So um, the one of the things about Dianabol 2 is the half-life is very, very short. It's only a four to six hour half-life. So usually guys will uh, take, take it twice a day. They'll do an AM and PM dosage to kind of balance things out at the half-life. So let's talk about the history a little bit. Rick, you're, you, you've known, been studying uh, diet D-ball a long time. Tell us about the history of Dianabol. Uh, basically, Dianabol is uh, the real first steroid. Testosterone had been already identified and used since the 30s, since the 1930s. But Ebola kind of changed the game. And the way it came around is there was a doctor, John Sigler, and he basically was the doctor of the Olympic weightlifting team during the 1954 World Games in Vienna. There, he watched these Russians just crush it, man. They were hoisting massive amounts of steel, and they were just killing it. He, um, over some drinks, took the Russian doctor and interrogated him a little bit about what they were doing. And, and the, the Russian doctor, over some drinks, told him basically that they were injecting testosterone. Now, this is well before WADA and, and, and Olympic committees that, that were looking into performance enhancement. Nobody knew anything back. John Sigler came back to the U.S. and, you know, he started experimenting with testosterone on his athletes. Uh, it was John Ziegler did it on himself and I think about a couple other guys. And he saw that it was awesome, bigger and better than, and, than any of their training regimens. But he realized there were some side effects. You know, back then these guys were injecting testosterone base. So you had to inject a, a few times a day and he just wanted a better way. So he developed Dianabol. Now, this part I'm not clear on. It seems that SIVA, right? He, he, he went to work with SIVA on, on this compound. Now, SIVA, they had a bunch of books from the Germans that they had, um, they had gathered after Second World War. And this part I'm not clear on. Apparently, SIVA had already patented Boldenon, Equipoise, which is the ba same base hormone as Dianabol is. Uh, they had already patented in 1949. I found that online somewhere. You know, a lot of this stuff is, this, you just got to search and search and try to find it. But then John Sigler didn't start thinking about developing Dianabol until 1954. So I'm not quite sure if, if uh, Boldenon came first or Dianabol came first, but they're both the same base hormone. They were both developed by SIVA. And anyway, so John Sigler, he goes and he develops Debo, you know, and he gives it to the athletes. They still get crushed by the Soviets. But, you know, he put it out there now. They also prescribed it to like burn victims and other folks who could, who could use it. But he put it out there and years and years later, he regretted it. He said years and years later that he, he fucked up. He shouldn't have done it. He turned uh, athletes now into, into drug users. Some of his athletes had liver issues because they took way more than the dosage he put them on. And he regretted it, but he, he thought he fucked up. That was kind of the story of it. That's how Dianabol came to be. So Dianabol is basically same, same boldenon, same base hormone. Boldenon has the undercyclinate ester. Uh, Dianabol has a modification to it so that it is oral and it doesn't have an ester chain. So a big difference, the ester chain makes the hormone uh, soluble in oil. So you can put it in an injection. It also releases out of the depot slower. It also, ester chain needs to be cleaved off first before the hormone can attach to, to receptors to have an effect. 
And so it, it delays the time of action. The modification to the animal that makes it oral, um, it makes it work right away. It doesn't need any anything to come off of it before it can attach to the receptors. It, it goes right in, it's ready to go. And um, that's uh, the difference. They were both developed by SIVA and uh, both uh, put out there. Yeah, guys. So basically it's testosterone in a nutshell, but it's got an added double bond, carbon one and carbon two position. So that double bond makes it less androgenic than testosterone on paper. It's about half as androgenic. Um, and like what we're saying, it, it has a 17th carbon position, methyl group addition. So that does make it hepatoxic and that allows it to pass through the liver without being destroyed. So we'll get into the side effects later, but that is one of the side effects that it will strain your liver a little bit. Now, I've seen underground labs come up with injectable Debol and then years later, you know, they discontinue it just because people don't, don't use it. So Debol primarily, I'd say 99% of the Debol out there is going to be in tablet form or caps, you know, it, it, that's just how it is. So um, it just doesn't sell. The injectable version just does not sell. And there's really no reason to be injecting it. So, you know, what are, who uses Debol? Let's get into that. You know, Rick, you know, you've been in the gym a long time. You've been on the forums a long time. Do you notice a trend of less and less people using D-Ball? It seems like the guys who are into size and into powerlifting, the old school guys love D-Ball. But a lot, of the young, a lot of the younger guys who are more into aesthetics and physique, they don't like D-Ball as much. Do you notice this as well? Who's using D-Ball? Just to start off, just to, I want to correct something that I, I think I – I'm a little bit of disagreement out there. The, the modification, uh, the meth, every, anytime you methylate a hormone, you make it stronger at the receptor. So every time that hormone gets to the receptor, automatically just because it's got that, that group on there, it's going to, uh, to be stronger at the receptor site. Now, maybe the base hormone on paper might not look like, like it, but yeah, it can't, there's just no, no way that animal will be less. Yeah. Well, that's an example of why I say on paper, guys, these ratios, they, they don't mean shit, you know, because trenbolone is also five times more energetic than anabolic. What ratio does it give it? Uh, anabolic to androgenic ratio. What does it give? Yeah, 150 to 50. But uh, yeah, the, the methyl group uh, makes it makes it stronger at the receptor site. You know what I'm saying? It always does that. That's why yeah. it behaves. If it didn't, it wouldn't behave so much differently than it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I won't mention ratios to go, but but I mean, you know, that's just one of the statistics. That's just one of the specs behind it. I know it doesn't mean shit, the ratio, but I just throw it out there. Another thing to, to be like, even the reason why it creates more water retention than boldenone is because when it actually becomes, when it's aromatized and it becomes an estrogen, it becomes a stronger estrogen. It becomes methylstradiol, which Basically, it's also stronger than the receptor site because now you have an estrogen that's looking attached to estrogen receptors and it's stronger at the receptor than anything yeah. your body can produce naturally because of, yeah. of that, that modification. So that's why when you use Dianabol, you, you get very androgen-like heavy kind of androgen side effects like the acne, like the drive, like the oh, like want to go on. And also but, you, get, yeah, you get pretty heavy water retention which is something that you don't get with boldenone. Even running it at really no. high doses, 
you're just not going to get that big water retention and you're not, you're just not going to get that, that androgen pump is completely different in my opinion. Anyway, so who uses, so who uses Dianabol? Who I've seen out there using Dianabol. Uh, uh, bulkers, the guys who are trying to bulk, those are the guys who use Dianabol. A lot of the newbies, many guys want to do a, a first run Dianabol only cycle. Uh, some guys who can find legitimate and reliable Anavar, if they can find reliable Anavar, they can run a good dose of it. But guys who don't have the money, guys who are dipping their toe just to see what it's like. Many first-time guys will do Dianabol only. And just, like I said, guys bulking, they'll add it as a kickstart to their cycle. Uh, run four, six weeks of D-ball at the start, along with your test and your DECA. That's a classic stack there. It's Dianabol, test, and DECA. So it stacks great with those two. And uh, those are the guys using it, really. I don't see anybody out there um, saying they're using Dianabol for cutting. You could because it'll still keep you from losing muscle mass as you're dieting down. And yeah, you'll get a little bit of puffiness from water retention, and we'll cover that a little bit later, but still, you'll get, um, you know, you can still use it for, for cutting, but most guys don't, don't look for it, for cutting. The guys who use Dianabol, who want it, they want to gain weight, they want to gain mass, they want to bulk, they want to add on pounds. Yeah, it's not something you see in contest prep, ahead of contest prep people using, you know, see people who are trying to lose lose weight, use it, obviously. Um, what I like about D-Bowl is the mood enhancer that I notice using it. And that is, um, that's really nice. It, it really boosts your mood. It's not a steroid that you take and feel, you know, uh, angry on. It doesn't make you that negative type of aggression that certain steroids will do. So it, it has its benefits and not. But give us some tips, Rick. Um, about using it that people may not know, like, for example, using grapefruit juice with it to make it even stronger. Tell us about some tips. Yeah, the grapefruit juice is great because um, it actually slows down how quickly your liver gets rid of the hormone. It'll do it to other medications too, so you have to be careful if you take other meds, you probably shouldn't drink grapefruit juice because it'll make them last longer in your system. But when it comes to Dianabol, uh, stretching the the life of it, how long it stays in your system a little bit longer, it's not a, not a bad idea. Also, out of all the orals uh, that we take, it's one of probably the ones that has the shorter half-life. So what I used to do was um, I'd crush my pill in a little water bottle and I'd drink the water bottle over a couple of hours. And I just felt that helped me get it in, like slow drip in, so I wouldn't have a big spike and a big dip and I also didn't want to carry pills with me around, you know, on my way to work, on my way to places. So it was just real convenient to, to crush it in a little water bottle and, and sip out of it or um, crush a couple of pills in a, in a big water jug. And you don't want to leave it overnight. You know, some of these hormones are not meant to be in liquids like that, but a couple hours, you're, you'll be fine. Just drink it over a couple hours and, and you're good. So uh, those are two, two good tips. Also, the animal will tend to give most people uh, acne. You want to be sure to, you know, tanning bed, uh, make sure you're keeping your skin clean. And uh, those are, you know, the main two things that come off of the top of my head. What do you have, Steve? Maybe I'll well, my tip with it is don't run too much, guys. Um, one of the things about Debo, beauty part of Debo is, is so fast acting. You don't have to just rush, rush it. You can just run, um, you know, a solid conservative dose and you have tremendous results. The thing about Debo because it's fast acting, you're going to get all the benefits. You're going to get the protein synthesis increase. You're going to get the nitrogen reception. It's going to inhibit the muscle eating hormones like cortisol that eat away at your muscle. Um, you know, and 
that's why it got so popular, especially in the seventies. And what guys would do in the seventies, the rumor was Arnold, um, especially in the off season, what he would do is run primo hundred milligrams a day. And he'd, he'd stack it with 10, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 milligrams of D bowl a day with the primo and that give it a little of an androgenic kick. And he liked that. He liked that cycle a lot and it worked, it worked beautifully for him and for others at that time too. So, you know, um, piggybacking on what Rick said, great, great steroid because it acts fast. Take advantage of it for as a kickstart. Beautiful steroid to use as a kickstart for a cycle. If you're using a long ester like test sip, test E, primo, EQ, long esters that take a while to, to um, you know, reach peak in your system, five, six weeks. You can run D-Bowl for first three, four weeks at a conservative dose, get a nice kickstart. So, you know, that's, that's one of the benefits of it too, um, is that it's so fast acting. That's a huge, huge advantage. So, you know, let's get into uh, the next topic, Rick, with, with Debo. Let's get into some of the estrogen. So you have some um, different thoughts about estrogen and using an aromatase inhibitor than others, especially on forums. Uh, we're getting into a habit of always saying that you have to run an AI with Debo and you have a different opinion. So why don't you share that with the uh, listeners? You know, I'm, I'm not out there on the forums arguing with people about this, um, but my personal belief is you don't want to run an AI, an aromatase inhibitor with Debo. Ideally, you shouldn't. If you think about it from its inception, from the start, Dianabol was meant to be a steroid for power lifters. And if you think about what it does, it's a great steroid for power lifters. It gives you some water retention. That water retention helps your strength. And as a power lifter, you also have to stay within certain weight classes. So if you just have some water retention, it's easy to flush that water out and stay within your weight class. And overnight, you can gain that water back after, after weighing in. When you use Dianabol, you want that water retention. You don't want to kill the estrogen on it because then you're, you should just use Turinabol, okay? If, if you don't want the water retention on Dianabol, use Turinabol. Okay. If you're afraid of getting gynecomastia from the Dianabol, use Novadex. The Novadex will keep that uh, nasty estrogen that converts out of Dianabol from actually attaching to those receptors. So just use the Novadex and it'll, Novadex will keep the, the estrogen out of your, out of your nipples, but it, it'll still let you get some water retention and you should look for it. And I think the problem with, with Debol is, Guys will run like 40, 50, 60 milligrams and then use an AI with it. How about you use less Dianabol? It's not really, when you think about it, it's not really that big of a muscle builder. Just, just run 20 megs, run 30 megs. No AI. Get a little bit puffy on your cycle, you know? Now, when you add other compounds, when you add in like testosterone, when you add in other things, you change the game. My, my argument Will, will crumble real quickly if you add in something like testosterone to the mix. But if you're doing Dianabol and say Primo, Dianabol and say Masteron, then maybe you don't need to run an AI. Maybe you want to run that Dianabol, you know, just let it run loose. Get a little bit of that water retention, get a little bit of that strength, right? And, and if you don't, again, my argument is just grab some Turinabol, Winstrol, Anavar, there's so many other better options out there that create lean, lean gains with no water retention than to take Dianabol 
and then drop a Romans in on top of it for like a Debo only cycle. I mean, what the fuck? What, what are you doing? That's my yeah. that you know, this is my opinion. You know, I'm leaving it on this podcast. Like, if anybody wants to argue with me about it on the forums, they could make a threat and I'll come in and defend myself. But uh, the, you know, that's just my feeling on it. There are other compounds that, that do what you want: no muscle, no water retention. So don't use Dianabol in that way. And again, my argument changes when you add other compounds, when you add, you know, testosterone, when you add EQ, you know, it changes, my argument changes because then you might need an AI. You might need to lower. And, and difference here, guys, and, and we have to do a couple of big shows on aromacin and, and Novadex. Novadex doesn't lower your overall estrogen levels. It just keeps estrogen out of your nipples, out of, out of you know, those receptors there. Aromasin or Imidex, they lower your overall estrogen levels. So it, there's, a, there's a big difference in how they both and how they both work. So it's something we'll do big shows on it. Um, many of the guys that run a couple cycles know. Many of the newbies don't. So it's good to just get it out there for the guys that don't. All right, guys. So everyone wants to know dosages. I personally, um, I like to kickstart D bowl if I'm if I'm choosing D bowl twenty milligrams a day. Plenty for me, plenty. Good quality D-Bowl, plenty. Maybe 30 milligrams at most. I'm seeing guys running 50 milligrams of D-Bowl. I think that's too much. I don't think it's necessary. I think you're getting greedy when you do that. And, you know, how to stack it. Brick went over some good stacks with it. Guys, um, you could stack it with an oral. Um, I've done 20 milligram D-Bowl, 20 milligram T-Bowl together. For like six weeks, five, six weeks. It was a great little oral run. So you can play around with D-Bowl a little bit. It's a good yin and yang steroid. Put it with something dry. Like I said earlier, Arnold, he stacked D-Bowl with Primo. That was his go-to stack. They didn't use testosterone in the 70s. Um, you know, they couldn't. They didn't have AIs back then. They didn't have any way to control estrogen. They didn't even have Novodex back then. They didn't have CIRMs. So he couldn't use it with testosterone, so he used it with Primo. He blasted a bunch of Primo and threw in a little D-Bowl in there to give it a little kick. And that's how he took advantage of it. So, guys, you can play around with D-Bowl. It's a very versatile steroid. Nice thing about it, again, short half-life. So you can always pull it if you're not liking what it's doing for you. You can always just stop it, and it'll trickle out of your system within a week and a half. It'll be gone. So that's the beauty of, of using D-Bowl. How about you, Rick? Um, any other stacks? Any other dosage advice? Debo stacks great with anything, anything out there. I mean, the only thing I, I had bad experience taking it with, and I go back to it again, Dianabol and, and Trend, uh, just terrible back pumps, shin splints, and very lethargic, and then restless at night. So those two are just uh, together, probably not a great combination, but you get Dianabol and Deca, great. Dianabol and Test, Works great. You might need an AI then. Uh, Dianabol and Masteron, awesome. Dianabol and Primo, perfect. These are all really, really, really good stacks. They go well. Dianabol goes great with everything, you know, in my opinion. Uh, even on its own is great. I think on its own is great if you're looking for strength. If you're looking for permanent muscle mass, probably not. If you're looking for strength on its own, it's about all you need. So, you know, that's, that's the way to stack it, in my opinion. Again, and I, and I going back to, to also dosages and stuff, 20 mix, man, 
10 megs, 15 megs, that'll do it. No, no AI, maybe just the Nova, if you think you, you want to prevent, I know, just a little bit of Nova text. And I think those, that's uh, just keeping the lower dose. That, just, that, that, um, that dianable is going to aromatize into methylstradiol, which is a, a much stronger estrogen than your body would produce naturally. And that sounds harsh, but you want that. That's kind of, that's kind of the point of it. You get that, that little bit of water retention from it at a very low dose, you know, 20 migs, that'll do you. Some guys can even do with 10. You get that little bit of water retention, that little bit of extra strength. And if you've got some, some you know, primo bowling backing it up, uh, if you have some Mastron backing it up, then, you know, you're in the game. You're, you're making some, some solid gains. But just don't, don't overdose on it. I think more than 20 megs of D-ball, it's just not worth it, my opinion. Yeah, you bring up pumps. D-ball is legendary for those D-ball pumps. It uh, feels great. You're working your biceps, you're working calves in the gym. Controlled pumps, fantastic. But if you're a cardio, you like to run, bad idea. Yeah, it's, it's like going back to, to what I said, you know, from its start, it was meant to be a power lifter's steroid. So you go in there, in performance, you do a rep, you get the hell off the stage. I mean, you, it's very low rep kind of steroid. If you're taking D-ball and you're in the mat and roll doing jujitsu or you try to hit the bag or you try to go for a run or even get on a bike, you might have some real issues with just muscles cramping up that you don't want to get pumps and don't want to cramp up. It's really a power lifter steroid. All right, guys. So side effects, Rick, um, we talked about the liver toxicity. We're talking about the possibility of estrogen issues, especially if you, if you stack it, we talk about the pumps. My recommendation for the pumps is taurine. If the pumps get too bad, you can take some taurine. I like to use N2Guard. N2Guard has about 250 milligrams of taurine per serving. So that will help tremendously with the pumps. Um, what are some other suggestions that you recommend when it comes to side effects and how to deal with side effects on D-Bowl? Um, for the liver, okay, for your liver, uh, tutka and milk thistle. I put those two ingredients in my products. Uh, and then to guard, but you don't have to buy my brand. You can get yourself just a bottle of Tudka, a bottle of milk thistle. Make sure it's a good, reputable brand. So just get yourself Tudka milk thistle. That's been to me what I felt has really helped my liver along a lot on any of these oral cycles. As far as the estrogen side effects, again, if you're worried about bloating, lower the dosage. If you worry about getting gynecomastia, maybe don't use Dianable because it'll produce methylstradiol, which will be real strong in those receptors. But Novadex will sit there and block it out of the glands under your nipples. Uh, Agni. Agni is another uh, big thing on Debo. Uh, we had a, a discussion on the last podcast about Agni. Sun, sun tanning, sun in bed, keeping your skin clean. I think going into the pool, some reason being dipped in chlorine has always kept my, my back and my chest and, and you know, my, my body clean of acne. Yep. Excellent. So costs guys want to know how much it costs guys. d is one of the cheapest steroids you could possibly buy. I mean, you can, you can look it up. Um, we're talking like literally like 25 cents to 50 cents uh, for a 10 milligram pill of it it's dirt dirt cheap it's cheaper than than anything you can buy even at an over-the-counter at a pharmacy so it's one of the cheapest steroids guys it's so simple uh, to manufacture and any source that charges 
<laughs> anything more than that, they're, they're probably, um, they're just ripping you off. They're trying to make a big profit margin, but it's so cheap to produce that it's so cheap to sell. Um, so you'd be able to buy a four week, six week supply for literally not even a hundred dollars. Like it's so fucking cheap and it's very easy to find. Yeah, guys. And every source out there is going to have the bowl. If they don't have the bowl, then honestly, like, I don't know, something's wrong with them because the bowl has been around a long time and it's a, it's one of the most standard steroids, especially oral steroids that any source is going to have. So, so let's get into a little bit about, um, we talked about half-life detection time. If you're a tested athlete, how long do you have to wait before, you know, how, you know, when, if you get tested, are you going to get busted for it? So that we think the detection time is about six weeks. So that isn't very long. So if you are a tested athlete, you get tested a couple times a year, you know, it's a safer oral to use. It's a safer steroid to use is you can literally stop it. Um, and six weeks later, you won't get busted for it. So that's another nice thing about it as well. So, um, that helps a lot. And, uh, you know, that guys, you know, there's so much information, um, on this podcast that we talked about already. Um, what are some of the examples, Rick? And I just want to throw something in out there for, for everybody listening. If you're a lower level athlete and you're maybe getting the regular tests, what Steve said will most likely be right. If you're a higher level athlete, like Olympic level, like professional top, you know, UFC level, top level athlete, there's some new testing out there where they're not testing for Dianabol anymore. They're testing for some metabolites of Dianabol that linger in the body for months and months after Dianabol's gone. And they're looking for picograms of, the, of these metabolites. And these tests are very expensive, but they're out there. If one of these metabolites, and there's a few of them, is in your system, there's no other way that it could have gotten there unless you had taken Dianabol at some point within months past. So I don't like to help anybody cheat. I, if somebody calls on the podcast, you know, I'll give them some advice here, but I've never taken money from anybody to help them test clean because in my opinion, the reason why steroids are illegal for the rest of us is because guys competing started using them. And so it's a sweeping ban, a sweepingly legal to keep it out of the hands of, of a less than a 1% of, of athletes that are competing that really matter. But just to let you guys know out there, just, just to bring it up to your top level, and maybe you listen to this or you work with somebody who's top level, um, they will fucking get you. <laughs> if they really want to and they do the right test, they can look for metabolites that linger and sit in your fat cells for months and months after the steroid is gone. And they identify those metabolites and they know the only way they could have gotten there into your body is because you put this earlier synthetic drug in your system. So just be aware. This is just for everybody out there. Yeah. And I agree. I agree with that, Rick. It's so we had a live uh, question come in, Rick, and it's from Sarah. She wants to know, is it safe for females to use the bowl? So um, I think I'll answer this very simply. I, I don't think it is. I think D-Bowl is a little uh, too androgenic for females to use. I don't see it being beneficial for females. So in your situation, I'd say, I'd say definitely not. It's probably not a good idea for females. Any, any questions come on your end, Rick, that we want to hit? 
you know, there, there was a time when we had a professional bodybuilder for women. And I'm sure some of those women used Diana Ball. Uh, but these are women who, at that point, they decided that they wanted to be professional bodybuilders. And they were, you know, they were giving up looking feminine to, to get there. And, and that's fine. For like fitness girls level, you know, wellness, all these, all these categories this, the, the, with competitions are today. Maybe women, nah, no, 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 there's just no reason. I think there's the only thing women should use is Anavar. It's the only steroid I'd recommend for, for any woman that I think it's safe to use for women. Anavar, that's it. And maybe if you're competing, like getting on stage, maybe a little bit of a winstrol with the Anavar, that's about it. If you can't do with a tiny, tiny amount of, of winning Anavar to get on stage, then you just don't have it. But no reason to use the Anavar unless you're, you know, your goal is to be a professional women bodybuilder, which I believe as of today, the category is that there's no more uh, professional women bodybuilding competition. Now it's just uh, fitness girls in different categories. All right, guys, I think we've covered just about anything, Greg. Is there anything else you want to add about the bowl before we um, let the listeners go for tonight? Um, let's see if there's anything important. I think we're good, man. Let's do, let's revisit the bowl. I think we're going to, we're going to do these shows, a whole round of, of shows, just concentrating on one compound. Everything from history uses everything. And then we'll, um, we'll come back to Debo. We'll see if there's anything we missed on this podcast when we listen to it. You know, that happens a lot, right? We listen to the podcast and then we'll realize, man, there was this piece of info I could have added. There was that piece of info I could have added. Yeah. So we'll do, I'll take some notes when I listen to it. And then we'll revisit Debo after we, we do the whole round, after we do EQ. The next show is going to be 276 Equipoise. We're going to do the big Equipoise show. Talk about, you know, and it's a good show to do after Diana, but because uh, obviously we discussed it a little bit today. So 276, big Equipoise show. We'll do everything from then on. Anavar, Winstrol, Clenbuterol, Albuterol. We'll do some some over-the-counter compounds. We'll do uh, some peptides. We'll do some SARMs. Just a whole show dedicated to everything we know about it as of today and, and just practical uses of it. All right, guys. Look, we appreciate you guys listening, guys. Um, keep the questions coming, guys. I'm always on the forum, Steve SMI. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, please feel free to. We'd love to hear from you. So evolution.org podcast, guys. We'll keep it going. Have a good night, everyone. Have a good night, Steve. Have a good night, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.